Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Today we are joined by Eric Edholm, covers the NFL and the NFL Draft for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today, and let's get right into this. From a big picture perspective, buddy, 10,000 feet, give me your initial thoughts on how the talent in this draft might match up with some of the Patriots' most anticipatory needs. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting draft. And it, I mean, like the the if I were to describe it to for all 32 teams, I would probably say that, you know, there's no Trevor Lawrence in this class. There's no quarterback that everybody is saying, oh, yeah, I want to work with him. But there are a lot of kind of second and third tier QBs. I know, obviously, with Mac Patriots are probably you know feeling pretty good about that position uh, for the for the short and long term um, wide receivers deep again. Running back is a. Yeah, an okay class, I would say, but not maybe a great one. Uh, obviously, I think the Patriots have some backs they like, so you know that may not apply uh, completely. Tight end, there's no star, but there's pretty good depth. In fact, it may be one of the deeper tight end groups we've had in recent years. So you know, again, another position where the Patriots loaded up last year may have gotten some some mixed results with John Ooze's struggle and his role kind of uh, unclear. Um, to me, the offensive tackle group, and this probably would apply to New England, I think it's really strong. I, I think it's a good group from, you know, maybe there's a drop-off point where, uh, you know, okay, if you don't get one in the first three rounds, maybe you're not getting the same kind of, you know, commensurate talent that you would in rounds four and five or whatever. I don't see as many late-round projects that could, you know, kind of develop like a uh, you know, like a Michael Unwainu or whoever, you know, I don't know that this draft is littered with those guys, but I do think at the top, it's really strong. And I think it leaks in rounds two and three. So that's something to keep in mind in interior offensive line. I, I, I think there's some, some tackle converts who could be decent. There's a couple guys at the top that I think are really good. You know, Zion Johnston from, from Boston college is sort of an Isaiah Wynn type where he's not as long but he's played some tackle. Maybe he's a guard in the NFL. You know, it's, it's an okay group inside. Uh, edge rusher, really like it. Deep, strong. First round talent's going to be excellent. Second round talent's going to be very respectable. You know, the interior defensive line is, you know, kind of a mixed bag, I would say. Uh, a couple, you know, one local kid who's really interesting is Travis Jones. And I think he would fit the, the Patriots mold a little bit from a, you know, height, weight, speed uh, uh, standpoint. I mean, he really kind of checks all the boxes for that big uh, defensive lineman that they've sought in the past. You know, I'm kind of interested in some of these linebackers in this group, and that may be, you know, when it applies to team speed and things like that, something that the Patriots would look at. I think there are some smaller linebackers who don't fit the quote-unquote Patriots mold, so it's going to be fascinating to see how they might address that position. Are they 
going for a bigger safety who can play in the box or are they going for their kind of traditional, you know, Belichick, uh, you know, big shed shedding blocks kind of uh, linebacker uh, corner, very strong group. I, I think it's a position the new England has to look at uh, considering, uh, you know, JC's free agency and, and, you know, just some, some lack of depth at that position, depending on what they feel of, you know, guys like Sean Wade and Bryant and those guys. Um, Safety is not my favorite group. There's a couple of, of higher end talents that I think are going to be very good players, but overall the depth may be lacking a little bit and I don't know how many true impact players there are. So I know that's sort of a long winded big picture look, but that's kind of how this draft shakes up and it's just not, it doesn't have the super firepower at the top of the draft, but the, mm-hmm. the, you know, where the Patriots are picking in round one, I, I, I think they're, by that point there won't be a, a whole heck of a lot of drop-off from the top 10 guys. It's going to be interesting to see them at number 21. We all know Bill's history trading up and down the board, but for purposes of this exercise, let's consider the idea of them sticking at 21 overall. Who's the first reasonable possibility? And I'm not going to ask you to do a whole mock draft, but right. is there a guy who at 21 – with the Patriots, again, running down that list of needs, maybe getting younger on the defensive side of the ball, uh, that instantly comes to mind for you that says, look, this is a guy who I think Bill has his eye on if they stick there. Yeah, great question. I think in that range, um, it, it's it, it's funny because a lot of the defensive talent will, will kind of be somewhere in that, you know, top 10 to to the early second round. So there, that that's sort of a sweet spot in some regards, but you're also going to see some receivers and quarterbacks go off the board at that point. I'm trying to think of that one guy who makes a lot of sense. Roger McCreary, the corner from, from Auburn, if they happen to think that position, kind of feels like a Patriots-ish player at that, at that spot. I know they've sometimes sought length. He's not the longest guy, but you know, I, I really like the guy and think he's borderline first, second-round pick. You know, Probably similar in some regards to Devin McCourty when he came out. Mm. you know not uh, yeah i want to be careful how i phrase that but you know okay. what i mean like mm-hmm. if you want to make him a safety i think you could play safety okay. he can also play nickel he can, he can cover outside you know feisty instinctive gave up some catches against alabama but but he's somebody with the football intelligence and intensity that i think kind of fits that spectrum a little bit so mm-hmm. and of course that De- you know devin was a corner in college and he was sort of regarded in that same range late first early second round pick so He's somebody that I could see kind of fitting their, their mold. Another guy that just sort of pops into my head that people are really split on. Uh, I think coming into the year, DeMarvin Leal, who's a, mm-hmm. a multi-positional defensive lineman for Texas A&M. I think the feeling was, oh, this is going to be his breakout year. He's, he's got the, you know, he's like, he's got that Richard Seymour-like body, you know, and long arms, big, well-built, you know, can handle a, a number of roles on defense had some moments, but wasn't exactly dominant. So it's sort of a beauty in the eye of the beholder prospect a little bit. I think talent wise, you'd say top 10 or 15. I think tape wise, he was more of like a second or third round pick. Um, was it coaching? Was it an injury he played through? You know, these are some of the answers I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. So he's somebody that I could see going anywhere from 20 to 40 but I think he definitely fits the the New England mold a little bit. He's He's got some burst and he's got some uh, versatility. The name that 
we've initially heard here. And look, on the surface, it's awfully easy to connect the dots and look at a guy like Jamison Williams and think he yeah, would be sure. a fit in Foxborough. Wide receiver, you know, Alabama background by way of Ohio State. He would appear to have the pedigree and the production. Tell me about him and why he would be a fit or maybe not a fit with the Patriots. Maybe necessarily at 21 or they might have to trade up. or what? Give me the forecast there. Yeah, Ohio State transfer was kind of caught in a numbers game there a little bit. They had, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and they were pretty loaded, you know, uh, at that position, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, uh, you know, I mean, the amazing talents there. So he says, all right, I'm going to go to Alabama, right, where they don't have any receivers. <laughs> uh, you know, but credit to him. I mean, he separated himself as the guy, you know, going into the year. Some people thought John Mechie might be the number one. Jamison kind of kind of took that role and, and ran with it. And Mechie's another guy that I could easily see being uh, a Patriots player. The problem with both of them right now is the injury. John Mechie had a season-ending leg injury. Uh, I believe it was leg. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and Jameson Williams uh, suffered the torn ACL uh, in the championship game. So easily could be there at 21. I think he's probably still a first-round pick. He's got some length. He's a speed guy. He's definitely got some football intelligence that impressed me. There was a play, and I, I can't remember the exact circumstance this year, uh, where Bryce Young was – was uh, I have to think about how it happened. Basically, he was an ineligible receiver mm -hmm. based on the formation where he was lined up. The, the ball was not designed to go to him. But the play broke down, and, and so out of a panic, Bryce Young throws the ball in Williams' direction. And he lets it go because he instantly knew I cannot be the first person to touch this. So it was plays like that that made me think this is not just a speed demon. Yes, he's probably going to, you know, he could run in the four threes if he didn't suffer the tor torn ACL um, and, you know, big time yards after catchability. But I thought there's a little more here than I realized. So he's got really good, you know, run after the catch instincts. I think he's got good body control. Is he a true number one? Yeah, debatable. You know, I don't know that he's, you know, but he can definitely take the top off of defense. And, and for New England, you know, it just felt like Aguilar never really kind of fit into that role. And, you know, they were having to scheme guys open sometimes. So I think finding a natural separator and Williams would apply. That makes a lot of sense. When you look at the group of wide receivers, and maybe this is true across the board in the SEC, is it as easy as, like I said, kind of connecting the dots? Because obviously – you look at the Patriots late in the year, you feel good about Kendrick Bourne, yeah. you feel good about some aspects of their offense, but really, I mean, on Twitter, and look, I know Twitter is what it is, but after the <laughs> game on Saturday night, you know, everyone wanted to say, cut Nikhil Harry, cut Nelson Aguilar, start all over at the wide receiver position. Is there something to be, like I said, if, if you're a casual fan, if you want to go and look at the SEC rosters, you know, yeah. the, the, the wide receivers who are coming out this year, is it just a matter of saying, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, this is who should be on the Patriots radar. There's, there's a lot who I think you could, and you know, they obviously have different wide receiver spots that require different skills and whatnot. And I know there's been, you know, sort of a, a, a call for that, you know, that, that Welker Edelman, Troy Brown type to, to, to be in the offense again. And, you know, and there are some players who I think could fit that mold. And, you know, it's just, it's a really interesting group. I mean, I, I could see Belichick loving a player like, or, you know, or Josh McDaniels loving a player like Traylon Burks, who is on, from Arkansas, 6'3", 232, almost like a king-size Debo Samuel. They, they use him in the backfield as a runner, short yardage runner even. It's kind of crazy. Uh, they'll use him as a, as a big slot. 
They'll put him on the outside and run him on, on, on post routes. So he does a lot of, he's even thrown passes before. So, you know, he checks a lot of boxes off and I think they're, they're passing on AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. you know, might make them kind of rethink what they're looking for in a wide receiver uh, as opposed to a guy like Harry. Uh, and I liked Harry coming out and I actually had him connected mm-hmm. to, to new England. So I, I saw some of the things that they saw. It just, his lack of separation ability became, you know, an eyesore and it really has held him back, I think. So, you know, if you're looking for the pure quick speed guy, I mean, Jahan Dotson from Penn state would be interesting, but yeah, there's lots of talent in the sec too. I'm trying to think of, you know, somebody interesting who I don't know where to slot him right now uh, is George Pickens from Georgia you know, he caught that one long pass in the, in the national championship game. I think they only had him out there for about 15, 20 plays. I have to double check, but coming back off an injury, probably only played a hundred snaps this year. You know, he's going to be a tricky evaluation, but the guy got kicked out of the Georgia state game for playing extra physical after like seven snaps. It was his first game back. And I thought, Ooh, this guy's got a little bulldog in him and he's got that <laughs> vertical separation ability. So he's kind of a fun one that, that does he go second round? Does he go fourth? Uh, you know, is somewhere in between hard to project. And, and he might be somebody who, you know, is one to watch as far as he could, he could end up, you know, returning on investment pretty well, I think down the road. My experience covering this team and look, the Belichick never does what we think he's going to do when <laughs> it comes true. to the draft. Um, but he'll take a quote unquote safe pick in the first round. He'll take yeah. a guy who, you know, like we said, and we're going to use the phrase all pre-draft process checks all the boxes. Right. And at the same time in the second round, he might take a big swing. Yeah. on a guy who is not necessarily on anyone's radar. The name that keeps coming to mind for me, I think it was Sebastian Vollmer. You know, so, someone like that yeah. in the second round. And some, look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Is there someone out there, and maybe, you know, we, we brought him up already, but is there someone out there who maybe strikes you as that type of guy who talent is a question, production is a question, but Bill looks at him and says, yeah, I can slot him right here. He might not be an instant fit, but he's the kind of guy who's going to be able to grow into my system with time. And are you thinking receiver or just any position in general? Any position at all across the board. Yeah, Uh, that's a good question. And I'm pinning you down. I know there's thousands of guys out there, but but again, when you look at what they do, more often than not, they'll go with the guy who they think is going to be a starter, a 10 year starter in the first round. Yep. And then the second round, they'll take a chance. They'll take a shot in a guy who might not necessarily be a day one starter, but someone who kind of grows into that role. Patrick Chung, I think was a, yeah, was a yep. second rounder as well, who wasn't necessarily yep. maybe considered an elite level talent, but just fit with that team. You know, there are yep. other guys too. And that look, they, you know, they, what Ross I Dowling, you know, these are right. These are names who, you know, guys who are not necessarily the, the the types that you think of instantaneously when you think about the draft, but you think, you know, Bill looks at him and goes, oh, you know what, this guy might, this guy might work as a, as a day two choice. Yeah. I mean, I think some of those deeper positions like receiver and offensive tackle, I think are going to probably have the best possibilities for something like that. Like, like a tackle, there's a kid named uh, Max Mitchell at Louisville. I mean, at, at Louisiana, sorry, Louisville. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, they have sort of an unusual offense, uh, you know, run heavy offense, uh, with some, some option game and, and a little bit of spread, kind of a spread option type of offense. Um, they've produced the Elijah Mitchell kid who's, who's running the ball well for the 49ers now. Um, but they also had a couple linemen drafted in recent years. So more scouts have been kind of flocking down there. Uh, and Mitchell is really interesting to me because he's, I, you know, in terms of body comp wise, uh, the left tackles of the Giants now, Nate Solder, that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that that long armed sort of broad shouldered, a, a little bit leaner, more of he almost looks like a souped up tight end in some ways, you know, but he moves exceptionally well. He's regarded as very football smart. He's got some nasty to him. So he's somebody I could see fits that mold. And um, another tackle who. You know, I would say has some some crossover skills, uh, similar type skills as a kid from Southern Utah. Like, talk about off the radar, right? Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how many scouts Bill sent to. I don't know, is it Ogden, Utah? I don't even know where they at, but <laughs> but I'm sure plenty. Uh, you know, they went to to Kyle Duggar and Lenore Ryan and Hickory, mm-hmm. North Carolina. So they'll turn over every rock. But Braxton Jones scouts know all about him. You know, D two program. This kid is a D1 athlete. There's no question in my mind that that he could have played in, you know, the the Mountain West or, or the Pac-12 or wherever, you know, just under-recruited, just kind of fell into this spot and stuck with it. And if if he tests well at the Combine, there's there's it would not shock me at all if he's a top 64 pick, you know, somewhere in round two. So Braxton Jones would be another one. And I believe he's at the Senior Bowl. Don't quote me on that. So that'll obviously help kind of boost his stock if we go back to receiver Jalen Tolbert is one who really kind of had caught my eye especially mm-hmm. late in the year from South, South Alabama uh he can play he's you know I'm trying to compare him to a Patriots receiver you know who he kind of compares to and it, it's kind of funny because it was a late pick but uh Trey Nixon last year mm-hmm. um before Nixon got hurt the same kind of guy who's got a little bit of length got surprising ability to to, to get on top of safeties you know, good body control. And I know Nixon really didn't get a much of a shot to make the team this year, but fits that type of mold a little bit. I wouldn't be totally stunned if he's a day two pick. So mm-hmm. either second or third round, I think that's where he kind of fits in. And another guy that I, I have to see if he's even declared for the draft or not, Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a slot receiver who kind of fits that, you know, converted running back into a slot, he's a, you know, looks like a running back after the catch sort of, that's your guy. Went to Nebraska, didn't really have much success there, was, was kind of used improperly, came to Kentucky, and he looked like Randall Cobb 2.0 to me. I mean, wow. that's the kind of player I think he is. So mm-hmm. uh, if he did indeed come out, I have to double-check on that one. There have been so many names the last few days. He's in that, you know, 50 to 80 range somewhere and I think would, would make a good Patriot. Every year, there's a Cinderella story we all root for. Late round kid, undrafted free agent, you know, yeah. prospect who takes that non-traditional route to the league. This year, I'll be honest, my guy is the quarterback out of Ferris State, Jared Bernhardt, former Maryland lacrosse star. He's my guy who, look, seventh round, undrafted guy, you know, who's going to be that guy in that yeah. last preseason game against the Giants who's going to light it up and get to have everyone, <laughs> you know, open in their eye, you know, this is our guy, this is, you know, and, and you, you can plug him in anywhere. You can do a lot of different things. You know, we go back to the Edelman experience of, of you know, 2009, uh, you know, Matthew Slater was a guy who, yeah. who came in, who, guys who they just find spots for 
regardless of the position. They just think that this guy can play. Is there someone out there now? I know we're reaching here, but is there someone out there now who strikes you as the kind of guy who who has a chance to be that type of player, that Division II, whatever the case, under the radar, who build just drafts as a football player and they bring him in here and they just say, look, we're going to find a spot for you. Yeah, and, and next time, if you ask that question again, you got to do it in the Bill Murray voice. Cinderella story, quarterback, <laughs> small school, just, just happy to be in the room. You know, I would love that, yeah. Uh, so here's a good double dip here. I'm going to go with a local guy. I'm going to go with a guy who, was, who played high school, I think for his dad, if I'm not mistaken, up the road, and, and EJ Perry, who's a, a quarterback at Brown. And, and, you know, for people who aren't tuned into Ivy League every week, I mean, he's – very clearly a, a gifted athlete. I mean, he's just one of those kids, you, you know, you probably, you roll a ball out there, no matter what shape it is, you assume he's going to be good at that sport. The kind of kids I hated growing up. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but sort of that gym rat quarterback almost, and uh, some, you know, sneaky athleticism, all those, the, the, the coded language we can use, but uh, <laughs> he, he really is a fascinating study because I think he'll get a shot at quarterback. But I also wouldn't be stunned if somebody looks at him and says, yeah, okay, you're, you're a little closer to six foot. Yes, you've got arm talent, but, you know, he's scattershot with his accuracy, threw a lot of picks, forced a lot of passes. But when he moves, and he didn't scramble a ton, he was not, you know, somebody who was running 15 times a game. But, you know, there are a couple games he did. Sometimes the protection was bad. He'd run for his life. And you saw some, some, some decent mobility in this kid and to the point where I, when I asked about him, uh, to a, to a Northeast scout who knows the area. They said, I wouldn't be shocked if some teams try him at receiver, you know, and, and I think he's caught a couple passes in his career, you know, like some trick plays and things like that, which is sort of the Edelman story, right? He didn't really do a whole lot of that in college, but, but obviously became great at it. So, you know, EJ Perry is somebody that I, I'm definitely keeping my eye on and would love to see, you know, what the path to the NFL is for him. Is it at quarterback? Is it at receiver? Does he become this sort of jack of all trades, like a taste of hill type? I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but I want to know how that story ends. Those are the fun guys. To, to, you know, oh, the yeah. wish upon a star guys, you know, yes. who, who just you look at and you say, well, this guy, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, the, the again, another Maryland lacrosse guy, Will Yeatman, who ended up being a backup oh, yeah. here, practice yep. squad guy, went down to Miami, played for a couple of years down there. Those are the guys who you love to follow, in my experience at this Absolutely. I mean, Great stories. Keep, keeping on that same point, I, I want to get a couple of local names from you. Okay. Obviously, everyone knows BC. Everyone knows the program there. Give me one or two names from BC, and then maybe one or two names, just New England college guys, that people should be on the lookout for who have a chance to go in the first couple of days come draft. Yeah. Week. The, the big name is probably Zion Johnson, you know, with um, Will Flowers going back to uh, to school. You know, that was I, I thought uh, uh, I'm sorry, Zay Flowers. I said Will Flowers. I knew that wasn't right right away. Um, but yeah, with him going back to school, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. And, and even, you know, Jerkovic, I thought there was a maybe a chance given that he returned to the, the field late in the year. Um Zion Johnson is probably the, the best known name and the high, the most highly regarded name. Um, you know, again, if you want to start with the Isaiah Wynn template of the shorter armed, shorter height, left tackle, that's what he's been in college. Davidson transfer came to BC, had uh, three really good years and, and clearly looked apart was, you know, all conference and all that. 
I, I think there are some, some O-line guys who might pound the table and say, he's a left tackle, darn it. More likely, I think he plays inside. You don't see his – this is not a Rayshon Slater argument like the mm-hmm. first-round pick of the Chargers. Everyone wanted to move him to guard. And, you know, that's, this is a different story. He's not that elite athlete. But I think he's really smart, really effective, getting to the second level, you know, doesn't get beat across his face. His length doesn't seem to be a huge issue. But, again, I think he's probably got a great home as a, you know, starting left guard in the league. Let me think of some what Travis Jones, I kind of mentioned earlier from UConn, you know, obviously with the program and in the shape it is, sometimes those guys get overlooked. I know they had Matt Pert a couple of years ago. The got to give my, uh, my GDA guys, my governor's Academy guys, some shout outs when I can, but, uh, but Travis Jones is, is probably the highest rated UConn guy. And, you know, it's, it's not a great defensive tackle group. Mm-hmm. So I think he stands out in that regard and has a chance to go, somewhere on day two um there are sort of those big nose tackle you know shade uh players there there are a few of them kid from wisconsin i don't actually know if he came out so i'll I'll take i'll scrape that from the record but jordan davis from from george is a big one uh john ridgeway from arkansas but i think travis jones is very firmly in that same company of of you know guy who can can show a surprising amount of quickness for his size at 330, 335 pounds, you know, gets his hands up and close down passing lanes, commands double teams and, and neutralizes them sometimes. So he's one that I would definitely keep an eye on as, as a, you know, late second, early third round player, depending on how he tests. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm interested to get your, and, and you, you touched on this a little bit at the top, talking about the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, no draft exists in a vacuum, obviously. Each year impacts the next year and so on and so on and so on. And, and look, that being said, there's a school of thought here in New England that one of the things the Patriots should get maybe credit for with Mac Jones is the fact that the 2022 quarterback class doesn't really have a guy who might necessarily be a similar fit. For yep. the Patriots. Tell me about this quarterback class and whether or not you believe the Patriots made the right call on pulling the trigger on Mac when they did, at least as it relates to this year's group. Yeah. And, you know, even if you admit that Mac's play leveled off or, or even mm-hmm. took a dip at the end of the season, you know, look, maybe I'm, you know, I've had too many sips of the Kool Aid, but I really liked what I saw overall <laughs> and thought that, you know, even though there were some issues uh, that could be put on his head think about the year the guy had right the, the you know replacing Tua Tonga Vailoa going into the season with all the weight of the, sh- the the world on his shoulders in a pandemic season going undefeated winning a national championship going to the senior bowl going to you know all the pre-draft festivities watching four other quarterbacks go ahead of him you know he, he lands in New England's lap they don't have to trade up to get to get him so that alone makes it a, a appealing uh, and then he basically outperforms every rookie quarterback. I guess you could make an argument that Davis Mills was on the same level or a similar level, but, but Mac did it for longer and he did it for a team that was better. So, you know, I, I give him the, the clear edge there. So, yeah, I think it was worth it. And part of that thinking may have been, Hey, there, we don't identify a single quarterback in the 2020 class right now at the time they were making that decision who, you know, it would make sense. So I think that's part of it. I mean, Kenny Pickett came into the year, the pit quarterback earning mostly third and fourth round picks. I mean, a third and fourth round summer grades, excuse me. And, you know, put together a fantastic season, probably going to be a first round pick. 
uh, good for him, right? That's you hope that a guy can stay in school or like a Desmond Ritter with Cincinnati, they make it to the, the playoffs and, you know, he made the most of his final year, but, you know, I still don't know that you can look at either of those guys or, or Matt Corral from Ole Miss or Sam Howell from North Carolina, even the, the upside guys like Malik Willis from, from Liberty or Carson Strong from Nevada. That's really my top six right there in some order. I don't think you can look at any of them and say, oh, yeah, I guarantee they're going to be better. They're going to have a better career than Mac. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there might be one or two that have higher ceilings, but the floors are lower, too. So that's kind of what you have with this class. You have six, maybe seven quarterbacks, if you include this kid from Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi, who will go somewhere in the mid-first to mid-third round range. Seven QBs go off the board. You know, some of them are going to be uh, – you know, the Hackenberg types who never see the field, right? We just, they're going to be busts, Paxton Lynch. Some of them are going to, you know, maybe one turns into a Dak Prescott though. Mm-hmm. That's what's sort of unique about this group is that it, it's, it's, it's almost right for one of these guys to, to surprise. So mm-hmm. strong fascinates me. He looks like an NFL quarterback to me. Uh, his, the health of his knee is what's going to make or break his draft stock. Plus the performance at the senior bowl. So it's a mixed bag, but it has at least some minor fascination to me, I would say. You would know this much better than I would, but at least from the outside, the guy who, to me, just continues to at least trend in the right direction is Pickett. Like yeah. you said, you know, he was a guy who was a third, fourth round guy maybe last year and now has yep. played himself into the conversation as a possible first round pick. As the possible QB1 in this class. You know, mm-hmm. like if you polled 20 evaluators right now, I don't know, maybe 12 to 15 of them would probably say if they had to guess that Pickett would be the first quarterback selected. You know, there's some people who think Corral has some Zach Wilson-like ability, but, you know, and he did it in the SEC. But then again, we saw Wilson struggle this year. He got better at the end of the year, but he struggled, no doubt about it. Belichick, you know, kind of undressed them early in the year and uh, a lot of struggles and some injury followed after that. Yeah, I would think he's got to be the one. If there is a wild card, I mean, Malik Willis just is unlike any evaluation that I've really he, – he reminds me of the Lamar Jackson evaluation in that mm-hmm. he's very unorthodox. But we're talking about Lamar Jackson with like 35 extra pounds packed on him. He is a big kid. He looks like a running back, but he's slinging the ball 45 yards on a rope. Does he always know where it's going? Does he always have a feel for what the coverage is? Does he always have his feet in the right position? No. But boy, that would be a fun little project to work with. And I think he's got some, some moxie to him. I just don't think he has the, the rest of the polish that's required for that position right now. Here's the last question for me. As, as we're talking about quarterbacks, one of the things that stood out to me from a team-building perspective with the Patriots when they had Tom Brady was the fact that they would always go out and get a quarterback. Yep. You know, whether it was a late round guy, an undrafted free agent guy, I'm going to be interested to see. And maybe, you know, it's 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 the guy we talked about before, you know, the the the, the brown kid where yeah, you know, they, they go out in the at the very least, they get a, a an extra arm for training camp. And I, I'm just curious again if that's going to continue here now that we're into the Mac Jones era, that if the Patriots are going to go out and get another quarterback just as a just because you need you're you're gonna get a quarterback every year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, 
I do feel like this is a little bit like there, there was a class and I'm kind of going to forget the win. Uh, there was a year where only seven quarterbacks were drafted mm-hmm. uh, in fairly recent times. I, yeah, I don't know that that's the case, but I do feel like there is a top seven. And after that, it really kind of does drop off a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of thumbing through my positional list here as we talk, just so I, I'm not forgetting somebody. But you know, if you're if you're strictly looking for like kind of a late round interesting player, you know, Jack Cohn from Notre Dame played at Wisconsin, transferred to Notre Dame, missed a little bit of time this year. I think he's on that borderline of being draftable, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I kind of wonder what what his projection is going to be lacrosse background too, by the way, so file that one away. I just, it just occurred to me. Uh, He's one that, that kind of fits that mold where maybe he just sort of gets overlooked in the process and, you know, wasn't the most dynamic offensive attack at either school, right? They were kind of run heavy teams that, uh, you know, would, would occasionally let it rip. And he had a few games where he was over 400 yards this year. Jack Cohn might be one to keep an eye on because, you know, he, he seems like he's got the, the smarts and some toughness and, you know, just enough athleticism and arm talent to, to make a roster. So he's probably my late round Patriots ish uh, projection, not named DJ Perry. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. We're now at a point where we're talking about, you know, what's the future of Jared Stidham and do they keep yeah, right. Ryan yeah. Hoyer for another year? These, yep. these conversations even though the quarterback, you know, the, the, the time marches on, the, the quarterback questions continue. And it's just, yep. it's fascinating to see the evolution of how it's all kind of progressed here in New England, going from obviously from Brady to, to Cam and then Cam to Mac, yep. how they handle the quarterback position and, and how it all kind of, how it all kind of works out for him. Eric, th- this has been perfect, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Let people know where they can follow you on social media and where they can read your stuff. Yeah, uh, you can send me all your hate mail at on Twitter <laughs> at uh, Eric with a C underscore Ed Holm, E-D-H-O-L-M. And uh, yeah, check me out at Yahoo Sports. I'll be heading down to the Senior Bowl and the Combine and cranking up all the, uh, the pre-draft excitement here. We got to connect again sometime, yeah. at least once more before the draft, because this is great, man. So much good stuff, so much information. Really to. appreciate yeah. you taking the time again, man. Thank you very much, Chris. Great talking to you, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.